When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks, Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of your friend and mine, Mr. Jan Malby. It's been a while, so let's welcome him back to your ears and your eyes. Good afternoon, Jan. Yes, good afternoon, Trevor. It's been a, an eventful couple of weeks, that's for sure. Wow, I, it's almost as if we should not take breaks uh, in some ways, because uh, a certain... Big clangor dropped in the interim. Um, I think the last time we spoke, I was looking ahead towards going to that final fixture in, Ju- in Ju- uh, January um, uh, at Anfield on the 31st against Chelsea. Um, so obviously that game uh, we have to look back on, but also obviously then the news about the manager, which for some people now is, is uh, it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not exactly played out, but people have done their talking on it. But I think this is actually a perfect time for us to come to it because we can possibly take some of yeah, the initial emotion and, 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 and shock out of it and have a little bit of a, an assessment and it's not a time for retrospectives about Jurgen Klopp or uh, what a wonderful man and what a wonderful manager or what will his legacy be because honestly those are all different things that will depend on the outcome of this season we can't predict that yet um we can also do all those kind of fond reflections at the end when the man's time is done it seems a bit premature to be doing it uh before that 
But we do have to have a cold clinical look at what this means. So rest assured, listeners, we will get a time to have a proper reflection on Klopp's time uh, from Jan and we'll take it as a an episode or two if it requires it. But for now, without being too heartless about it, first of all, give us your uh, feeling about the fact that he is um, on his way out the door. And then let's take a little cold look at the potential for the future and what you think it looks like, who his replacement might be. Are we well set up for that? I have to be totally honest, Trevor. I think we spoke on the 25th of January uh, and then a couple of days later. And I generally thought with the world that we live in, I, I thought somebody set that up. I thought it was fake news. I have to be honest. Yeah. You know, you know, I got a text message from somebody and I was thinking, what's he talking about? And then I had a look and I thought, this has got to be fake news, hasn't it? Because I, I, I sort of work in the industry, don't I? And normally there's whispers, isn't it? You know, we knew about Everton getting charged by the Premier League maybe before it was made official. Little things, you hear whispers and whatever. And there was absolutely nothing. And in a city like Liverpool, I mean, I'm tempted to say even the taxi drivers didn't know, you know what I mean? If they, and if they don't know, Trevor, you know, it was a, it was a well-kept secret. Uh, and then it was kind of trying to digest it all uh, instantly. And I guess you would have been beside yourself, Trevor. With, with the conspiracies and, and, and all the things. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine, you know, you're, you're looking at everything. <laughs> you're looking at everything, bloody hell, what's, what's going on here, you know what I mean? And, uh, I have to be honest, Trevor, I, I spoke to an awful lot of people who are adamant that, that there's more to this than, than what meets the eye. I don't, you know, I think Jürgen went to great lengths of explaining as well as he could in in that he felt that he needed to tell the fans it was his story. He felt that he needed to tell them the truth is, and I don't think he'd have gone through that uh, if there was any underlying uh, sort of stories. But there is still people, you know, chucking out st- stuff from time to time and going, this might be the, re- this might not be the reason. I generally believe, Jürgen, that whew, it's a tough job. It's a man who can only give 100%. Uh, and you know that, I mean, I've never managed that level. I've never managed under that intensity. But you know where you you sense that I, I'm no longer giving this job maybe what it needs. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that was and, – and, and I think we've spoken about this before, Tom, isn't that – you know, he's a very honest guy, isn't he, in that, you know, he, he did a similar thing at Dortmund where he thought – I might be able to, to, to do this or, or to turn it around, but I can't guarantee it. I just thought it was a very honest decision. It was a blow. I was with the day he came out. I was with Sammy Lee, and Sammy was just shell-shocked. You know, he, he couldn't speak. Every sentence he talked, he came back to the news. He said, this is a dreadful, dreadful day, isn't it? And of course it is, Trevor. But then you look at all the things that we've been through. You know, Shankly resigned in 1974, and, you know, Blah blah blah, and Kenny decided to to to, to leave in in the early nineties, and we saw all them goals that Ian Rush scored, and we saw Fernando Torres and Luis Suarez went to, you know, we 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 will find a way, and let's not forget, we're in a better shape than when Jurgen came. We're we're in a better shape than we've been for a lot of years. So a similar job what Jurgen did is not required. Something else is required. We're not going to find a one-for-one. One. We're not going to find a new Jurgen club. But there is people out there who can continue success. 
You said a mouthful there, because that is really the thing, isn't it, is that we are not looking for that <clears throat> messianic, please lift us out of the doldrums type character anymore. It is a different profile of job completely. And it's a fair testament to Klopp that you could say that this squad is as healthy as any Liverpool squad we've seen um, in terms of at least potential, perhaps one or two additions. Um, it does seem to be a project that would be hugely attractive, not just because of the profile of the club, but because of the profile of the squad. And so when you bear that in mind and you think about the the, the kind of job that is now required, I suppose that's where we get into interesting territory because when Kloppo was appointed first time round, the big rival at the time was Carlo Ancelotti. And if you think about how things might have panned out under Carlo Ancelotti, and this is no disrespect to a huge figure in world football, but Ancelotti is the kind of guy who'll come in and uh, keep things ticking over or or, or reignite the spark in an in a already wonderful team or whatever it happens to be. I don't think Ancelotti was what we needed because Klopp's overhaul shows that, I think. Um, those type of figures now, there are lots of them around still, not as many maybe as there were in the past, but there are lots of them around who, who you know, would be big profile names and you would think would automatically therefore be linked with Liverpool, even something as daft as, say, Jose Mourinho has recently become um, um, available on the market again. But to me, that just all seems a bit daft. I don't see that as anything approaching what the club would do, given what we know about the owners and and and, and what we hope will be the succession planning. Now, all the staff are leaving. That's not unusual. But you you would wonder then, would it be a new project? So then you start thinking about young guys who are up and comers. Who are they? Well, we hear a lot about this Ruben Amarim guy who's got a couple of titles under his belt um, with sporting um, and seems to be a real up-and-comer. You think about De Zerbi in uh, the Premier League, but does he have any trophies? Um, hugely, highly admired. These are the type of names that are popping up um, and others. Who are you thinking and who do you think deserves to be favourite or might suit this job? So... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Just to start off with what you start off by saying, and you you mentioned Carlo Ancelotti and whatever, so the day when you went to Anfield to, to watch Liverpool play Chelsea, uh, did you enjoy that job? Did you have a good time? Oh, the, the whole thing was outstanding and I had a, a pal along with me so you feel a little bit extra pressure that it's going to be a good uh, outing for them but I'll be honest with you Jan it was one of the high watermarks 
um, of Liverpool football performance under Klopp, I felt. I, I felt really privileged to be there to watch that um, because I can't get over as much as I used to. And, and it's a few games a season now as opposed to multiple. Um, and it felt like all the stars aligned. It was outrageous. Now, everything was there, all the little things, including the Klopp-O fist bumps to the cop at the end. So all boxes were ticked in terms of my friend who's far more of a tourist football appreciator. But for me, I just felt, wow, uh, I don't want this to end. I came away a little bit sad after that wonderful experience because I just don't want this roller coaster to end under Klopp. We've it's been so enjoyable. And I think that's the thing we've even said, you know, even the bad seasons, there was stuff you could enjoy. So that was the overall feeling, despite the fact that it was great. It was like, oh God, this is really going to end. I have to wave goodbye to this guy, to this feeling that's together here. And how do you replace that with a new boy? I don't know. Mm. So obviously the, the reason that we didn't meet Trevor was because I was in Denmark uh, and with the, the story just having broken about club, we spent a lot of time talking about that. Mm. And I said, I said that I feel that in world football, there is only two recognised elite coaches, managers, and that's Guardiola and Klopp. Mm. I, got a, I got a fair bit of uh, stick for that because a lot of people came up with Ancelotti. I understand that if you look purely at Ancelotti's... Uh, Trophies, he's right up there, uh, especially with the Champions League, whatever. But I still don't think there's a guarantee. You appoint Pep Guardiola or you appoint Jurgen Klopp, they will improve your team, yeah? I'm not 100% that Ancelotti falls into that category. And you said it before, we didn't need Dan Carlo Ancelotti in 2015. We don't need him in 2024 either. You know, besides, I'm not convinced that that he's an elite coach. He's done very well. He's perfectly suited to Real Madrid, isn't it? So it's a bit like finding a player. A lot of what Liverpool do is data-based. Uh, so you assume that now he's a Wills player and uh, the, the, the analyst will be looking and, and, and trying to compare what coaches fit into the way that Liverpool play because you would assume that we'd want to pick a coach stroke manager that could play in a similar way because the way that the squad's been put together. The squad's been put together to play Jurgen Klopp football, isn't it? Uh, and, and then, of course, Alonso is much more of a Pep Guardiola type uh, manager in the way that, that that his teams play, isn't it? So you already mentioned some of them. I mean, I put forward Ruben Amarim every time there's a job available because I think he's at that level now. It's a bit like, where do you find the next Ballon d'Or winner from? It's the same now, isn't it? I think because there isn't any bulletproof experienced managers, you almost have to go, well, okay, who's going to be the next big thing? Who's going to be the guy for the next 10 or 15 years? And of course, everybody I've spoken to, and they all stress one thing, Trevor, and these are all the best connected journalists to do with Liverpool. They all stress that they're all guessing. There is no information on Liverpool Football Club but they're all guessing the same guy, Alonso. And it didn't do Alonso any harm whatsoever last weekend when they dismantled uh, Bayern Munich because if there was anyone in doubt about what he's capable of, you know, I think it was put on shoulder, isn't it? Having said all of that, Trevor, there still is people within this brand saying, but it's FSG, you know, and they're quite capable of making some left-wing decisions, you know, where they go, 
Oh, actually, we've seen something in, in this guy's stats. We think this guy might be, be, be well suited, isn't it? I mean, there was a guy who wrote an excellent piece for ESPN about who the man, new manager should be. And he actually ended up with his summary was that Liverpool's next manager should be the guy we face on Saturday, which is Thomas Ooh. Frank. Wow. You know, based purely on the way Klopp plays and the way that Thomas Frank likes to play the game. Now, it's a sexy name if you're Danish, uh, and it would be a great story. It's not going to happen. Here's the thing, and um, you'll appreciate this because you were in uh, changing rooms and communal areas for long periods of time with a man who famously used to uh, take out championship winning medals in a box and you know, say, grab one of those if you earned one type thing. And there's something about that story that, <clears throat> I don't know, always resonated with me. Um, and it's something to do with a certain amount of humility and a certain amount of the opposite, because it's kind of, well, yeah, this is what we fucking do. You, there's, your, there's your medal. Yeah, we won the league. Let's get the next one now. And I'm reminded of an attitude that was 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 voiced in that way by by my countryman and uh, horrible Mike uh, Roy uh, Keane, who basically would always say the same thing. <laughs> the win- winning would happen, and within a half an hour, you got the impression Keane was sitting miserably in the corner, frowning at people who were celebrating because he wanted to get on with the next one. And there's another one to win, and so on and so forth. So the, there's a certain sort of attitudinal thing. I don't know if that even exists anymore, but it will tell you where it does come up and where I'm going with this. You see Thomas Frank, you see De Zerbe, um, you see um, a lot of these guys, including Xabi Alonso. And I have one thing to say, which is get out your medals. Um, what did you win? And I, I don't want I don't want to denigrate the guy who wrote that piece for ESPN because I'm sure it was well put together and well thought out and there's been a lot of very deep thinking around who might be the most appropriate person to take over with the squad of players we have uh, and to adapt their either their style into this squad of players or to adapt to this squad of players whatever it happens to be and I find that all very interesting and thought provoking. But I don't know, Jan, if I want anyone coming to the club post-Klopp who is not a proven winner. Jurgen Klopp, when he came to the club, was a proven winner. Um, I don't know if it's wise for us to reverse that policy. Even Jabby Alonso feels to me like a kind of an emotional appointment as opposed to a risk-free one. So that's why Amarim is the one that keeps bouncing back into my head where he might suit the FSG profile of a young up-and-comer. Um, and actually have something behind it as well. Uh, y- y- this is the kind of conversation that's going to divide people, but we have to be able to give our opinions. What do you think about that slant of things? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the, the only thing I will say is, Trevor, in that you talk about experience and show me your medals, but the guys with the medals, the guys with the trophies, is there any of them you really want? Uh, I, I, I don't think there is any more, is there? I think that's, that's a very that's that's a very good point actually. I, I I forgot to mention. We should fold it in so you can respond to it as well. One of the people who's been thrown around, one of the names being thrown around, is Zinedine Zidane. Now Zinedine Zidane was obviously one of the greatest footballers of all time, and has a managerial record in terms of European Cup wins that like puts him on a par with anyone in terms of that thing that I was saying. 
but it's a really well made point that you make. Do we really think Zidane is going to be able to come in and have this effect and galvanize this Liverpool team and, and build a squad in his own image? Or is Zidane the figurehead type that can keep the Madrid thing rolling along like Ancelotti perhaps is? So yeah, that's I, I, it's a really well made point. I, I, I just wanted to throw in Zidane to double down on the, st- the strength of that point you're making. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just that what is required at Liverpool and that goes for players as well as managers, you have to give off yourself. You know, it's it's not a job where you can be half-hearted. You have to give yourself, you have to, you know, you have to give 100%, isn't it? I'm not sure Zidane is that type. You couldn't see Zidane doing some of the things that Jurgen Klopp's done over the years in terms of galvanising the fans or the players or celebrating or whatever that is, isn't it? So, I, I Ruben Amorim is, you go, yes, okay. Uh, but I, I have a lot of respect for recruitment in Portugal generally. I, I think there's, you know, the, certainly the big three clubs do really well with their recruitment. And I thought for Sporting Lisbon, to go to Braga and pay 10 million euros for a coach uh, is something you go, wow, is there really any need for that? But he'd obviously seen something. And then he's come in and he's continued the really good work. They play in a good way. I remember last year, the year before, they they played Arsenal in the Europa League and knocked Arsenal out over over two legs. And, you know, instantly one of them, you go, wow, I I like this team. You know, it's almost like, He's clubbing charts of this team, you know. That, that, mm. That's 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 how I felt, you know. Uh, since then, he's been able to add uh, a couple of trophies, and he's right up there again in a in a in a three horse race this year. So, and of course, Portuguese coaches generally have a, a a good reputation. What you need, Trevor, is somebody that, when football changes again, and football changes quicker than they, it's ever done, isn't it? You know. What, 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 what is the way that we play now? We have fullbacks who step in and play in midfield. The number sixes are the most important people, blah, whatever, in 18 months' time would be something else. And you need somebody who can roll with that. Mm. You know, mm. you need somebody who's going to be right at the forefront that when they see football changing, they get it. You've got to have somebody who gets it and stays ahead of the curve, isn't it? You know, because if you don't, and, and you, you, you can see that when, when you look at, Let's just deal with England, isn't it? Some of the big clubs in England that's fallen behind for a period, you know. And 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 I tend to look at Manchester United in a. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. David Moyes, Louis Vagal, Mourinho. You know, it's, it's, they're still very good managers, but... To be at the forefront and being, it's all about being brave now, isn't it, Trevor? You know, you get all these guys, the analysts and the director of football, they want brave managers, you know, because they have data that tells them how the successful clubs play. And the successful clubs, Manchester they are brave. So they want managers who are brave. And I always come back and thinking about, you need a manager who's quite prepared to be brave, but also gets where football is heading, isn't it? You know, so Ruben Amory fall into that. Alonso, of course, would, would, would fall into that. Deserve, he's got an awful lot going for him. Uh, I just, the only thing I worry about Deserve is that I think he enjoys being a manager. I think he enjoys being a development manager. He sees great joy in developing players and he makes four or five. But is he a winner? You know, is he over the season? Is he a winner? In the end, the only thing that matters, you know, once you've done everything else, that we need to win games. You're a manager of Liverpool, you need to win games. Yeah, because it's not that project anymore where, uh, you know, there'll be a, a long period of patience. There will be some because Liverpool fans are a little bit more, um, I don't like to say it, but it feels like it. A little bit more educated um, and therefore more tolerant of a new manager uh, for the most part. I think that's fair to say. Obviously, the papers won't be, the media won't be, but I think he'd have that um, level of, of tolerance in the ground. Um, but it, it isn't that project anymore. It isn't that, you know, let's see what we can do. Can we build towards winning something in four years? This is about actually, like, can we make up for the fact that, that we've left trophies behind us? That, you know, for all the crying about <clears throat> Manchester City's um, uh, cheating, however uh, much of it is proved, uh, for all the acknowledgement of their clear financial doping, if you want to use that expression, that we can't compete with. Uh, I still think there were trophies there that should have been won, that that just should have been won. Um, And it would have required even higher standards than the already ludicrously high standards that, 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 that the team and the manager set. But it just feels a terrible paltry return um, for this, this period that we've enjoyed you and I talking about so much. It does feel like a paltry return in terms of trophies. A lot can happen at the end of this reign um, and these last couple of months to to address that. And I I think that would be fantastic. And I really hope that happens. I hope that that's going to be the focus of the remaining shows that we do. There is one guy, though, that I want to throw into the mix because he's a bit of a... I don't know where he fits here. Uh, you talked about Klopp and, and Pep as the only two really guaranteed transformative, uh, or, or, or we, I will, I will win things with you, coaches. The the age profile of those two guys is very unusual in that way because also they can move with football as it moves, 
or be the guy who moves football. And maybe that's what the next young manager would have to have, that strength of character to be the one who changes the way football is played. And everyone's following in our coattails uh, or, or slipstream or whatever the phrase is. There's one guy who's kind of in the middle. And we have to mention him, and that is our buddy over at Atletico Madrid. Now, it might be incredibly mm. arrogant to think that Diego Simeone could be poachable. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I think we can just assume that the profile of the job at Liverpool post club is big enough to attract anyone. Um, and if you just take that out, forget about his ties to Atletico and his passion for that club or anything he might have said in the past, this is a huge opportunity to come to Liverpool, take on this squad and see what he can win and possibly have more chance of winning trophies than he does against the two huge clubs he's up against there in Spain. Um, some people are harsh and consider him to be just a sort of a almost like a cheerleader manager which I think is daft when you consider what he has, has actually done uh, some people might be inclined to say well he's getting towards that profile uh, age profile that you were talking about where uh, is, is he going to be able to you know move with the game as it changes is he very much a kind of one trick pony in the way that he sets up his teams um where he does seem to fit, I think an awful lot of people were drawn to this, is that he's a crazy bastard and he's hugely, highly emotional. And you know, you know, Anfield's going to love that. Uh, so it's an interesting one, yeah? Well, I knew exactly where you were heading with that. Uh, and, and and that is in, in terms of, of having that personality that would instantly uh, make you likable to, to, to the Liverpool fans. I think it's very difficult because I don't think Diego Simeone will ever really be appreciated outside of the club he's managing. Mm. And I don't think you'll ever be able to understand what he brings until he's the manager of your club. You know, you can kind of look at Atletico Madrid and you will go in terms of overachieving. And, and this really is what this is about, isn't it? We, we, we have to slightly overachieve to be able to keep up with Manchester City. Uh, he he's done that, uh, but then is you look at some of the things and you go too much play acting, blah blah, whatever. Uh, but I, I just think that until you get him and you fully understand what he's about, you would never be able to appreciate him. Uh, it would certainly be what we spoke about before. It'd be 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 one an appointment that came almost from nowhere, wouldn't it? If if we were to to get involved, but I can fully understand where you're coming from in terms of that. Something you go, I wouldn't mind him being in charge of us because then you, you sort of know that he will do everything he can to protect us, isn't he? You know what I mean? He, he will protect the club and everything with, with everything he's got because he's that type of a guy, isn't he? And, you know, he's been so incredibly successful and he's still very popular at Atletico Madrid, isn't he? You know, so, yeah, it's an, it's, it is definitely an interesting one. I don't think you'd have to be worried about whether he moved with the games or not because... He's got this sort of Jurgen Klopp thing as the motivational thing. Players love playing for him. Uh, and he could lead a club the size of Liverpool and the fans would follow him. I have no doubt about that. There will instantly be Liverpool fans going, oh, I don't like the way they play. No guarantee that Liverpool will play in the same way that Atletico Madrid uh, play. What you, you would want from him is his winning mentality isn't it? and his ability to to, to, to take a club a long, long way. 
So to wrap it up, you often mention, you know, that you would have conversations with a lot of people who uh, bite into the fact that they're now working in the same sort of um, corner uh, of the world as yourself uh, in various press uh, and, and and TV and uh, various types of media coverage that you'd have these chats and have these conversations and you've rightly said that n- nobody knows anything. I think that was the most important thing um, to say right from the off, because it is all speculation that we're doing here. Um, <clears throat> but it does seem to be that some of the lads who seem to know some of the things and seem to hear about, like, for example, at the last time out with the transfer window, yeah, nothing's going to happen, lads. Um, don't, don't, I won't be getting too excited about it. Nothing's going to The people who seem to get some of the briefings uh, have all sort of hitched their wagon to Xabi Alonso. And, of course, that could be all just sort of mass... Uh, agreement and mass speculation coming together. Um, if I was to ask you who you thought at this stage was the likely favourite, would you go back to that default position of, listen, it, it, nobody has a clue, um, which I would fully get, or do you have a kind of inkling as well, that an, like like an awful lot of your, your, your current colleagues might, that it will be Alonso? Not necessarily, Trevor. Uh, the first 48 hours after we heard the news and we're all scrambling on to try and see who's going to be the next guy and you want to be the clever one and go, wow, you know, and 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 of course. But then the, the longer it takes, and I'm not suggesting that's a good or a bad thing for anyone. Uh, they're just going through a process that you have to go through, isn't it? Uh, but the, the, the more I look at it and the more I look at the profile of FSG and what they're quite capable of, uh, and also Alonso, I'd be amazed if, if Bayern Munich isn't thinking right now with the problems that they've got with Thomas Tuchel. Uh, it's slightly different with, with Madrid because he's renewed his contract and so isn't it? Uh, but then, of course, there's also Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, you know, it looks like they're going to win the Bundesliga. He might fancy staying there for another year. He certainly won't do his reputation any, any harm. So to go back to the guys in the media, they all more or less say, Trevor, when you see them, they go, it's Alonso, isn't it? And that's like, everybody's like waiting for somebody to go, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when they say to me, it's Alonso, isn't it? And I go, well, I won't say that. I said, until you write it. And they go, no, we're not at that stage yet. Because everybody's a little bit unsure. Obviously, Mike Gordon's got a big role to play in this. Uh, but everybody's a little bit unsure about when it happened, the first one of the first things we heard was that how Liverpool approached this is that they're going to appoint a director of football before they make the decision, so he can have an input into to, to the next guy, isn't it? Well, we're no nearer appointing a director of football. We've struggled to find the right guy for a long time. Now you almost feel that we need somebody because. You know, as as clever as mine, Mike Gordon is, and, and and Billy Hogan and whatever, there isn't a lot of soccer expertise amongst them, is it? Uh, so it might not be a bad decision to go and get a director of football. Uh, of course, they had to ask Mike Michael Edwards whether he fancies coming back. He, he doesn't. He set up his own company, doing his own thing, isn't it? Uh, but that was a nat- natural thing to ask him. Uh, where we go from here, I I, I really don't know. It's uh, so. I think what what 
the press guys are struggling with is, is the process. You know, is 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 this a, a thing where the, the 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 analyst goes, okay, here are the candidates. These are the guys suited. Uh, and then Mike Gordon and whoever else sits down and go, well, okay, and let's speak to them because let's not forget as much as Club was a straightforward choice. Mike Gordon still met him, you know, needed to have a feel for for club sincerity and personality and whatever. And that will also have a small part to play. And so I think the biggest thing is that nobody quite knows. So there is no one to go to, is it? You know, uh, a lot of football clubs have got director of football. And if you've got that number, you can always get a little feeling. But you haven't got that in Liverpool. And the press guys don't really have uh, any communication with Mike Gordon, who's a very, very private man. Isn't I don't think he's ever done an interview or anything. You know what I mean? It's just like this guy here is a big part of making a lot of decisions, isn't it? So, so yeah, based on... I just think that if Liverpool had decided that it was going to be somebody else or something else was going, there might have been a push towards somebody, journalists, that stop writing about Alonso, you know. But mm. it's just almost as if Liverpool have kind of gone... Carry on guessing for as long as you want because we haven't made our mind up yet. We're not where we need to be in, in, in terms of the selection process. Yeah, and as you say, there's the added wrinkle of, um, I think it was either the owner or director of football um, at his current club was saying that Jabby's not going anywhere. So it's going to be very interesting um, over the next while. You can't help but think that some sort of news will have to break. But Again, going back right full circle to the start of the chat. Trevor, 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 just while we're talking about that, yeah. what what do you what do you think the sensible solution is there? And in terms of let's say that in the next two weeks we know who we want. Yeah. Do we then make it public, or do we sit on it, or what is a sensible approach? Good feeling is that that would be fucking insane. Uh, and I'll tell you why. It's because you think then, okay, players' heads are going to start spinning around thinking about how am I going to fit in with this new guy? Uh, and also that will be very much the dominant narrative in every press conference the Klopp is having to do. Uh, he'll be asked about the new guy and what does he think of the new guy? And with the best one in the world, he's going to get pissed off with that fairly quick. Um I think you're right. I, I I I honestly, at the time, it didn't occur to me, despite the fact that I do like a, a, a conspiracy theory. I, it didn't occur to me that it was anything other than st- the initial story that broke was somebody had the story and they weren't going to fucking sit in it for much longer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. get out ahead of it if you want to get out ahead of it. Uh, and I think the way it happened, you really got the genuine impression the players had only just been told nearly as recently as us. It wasn't a whole lot longer before we were, were informed that they were informed. But we have a thing here now where there's this sort of togetherness with the group, Jan. Um, this, we've got this, the emotional bond between these guys is as strong as anything you'll find in world football. And I don't think you do anything to sour that. Um, if you know who it's going to be, I don't think, I think you put down every possible measure that Liverpool are capable of putting in to make sure that news doesn't get out. That's my initial reaction. I could be miles off. What do you reckon? Yeah, that would be my preferred option. You know, absolutely. And as you say, is it because of, because of the way that football is covered these days, it would be a daily story. And, and, and surely, Mm. see, 
when this happened, and somebody asked me, will this affect the players? And my initial response was, no, I don't think it will. Uh, there will now be a generally feel. I mean, they'd already named this season the last dance, hadn't they? Uh, within within uh, the and. I said, no, I don't think it will. I, I just think, if anything, it will, it will motivate them and galvanise them, whatever, if, if, if they needed that. But then, you think... I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. But why wouldn't it affect them, Trevor? Because the enormity of the story, you know, it's such a massive, massive story. And you think that would that affect them at some stage? It hasn't. Uh, although we had a we had a non-show at the uh, at, at the end, but I don't think that was linked to anything to do with with that. Isn't it? But it's, I still think it's interesting to, to to keep an eye on how how is the motivation and and, and is there anything you know taking their minds elsewhere? Isn't it? Because it, it is a I mean, I remember it from, from from Kenny, and it's it's a similar thing, isn't it? You know, Kenny in terms of of uh, figures at Liverpool Football Club is up there with Jurgen Klopp, isn't it? And, and and how that eventually. I mean, we we had a few things, didn't we? You know, Heisel and Hillsborough and Kenny Douglas and whatever. And eventually, you think he can sort of overcome and, and override all these things, isn't it? But they do at some stage. You look back and you go, maybe maybe it was too much, isn't it? So I just wonder where this will all end. Yeah, it's 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 so interesting. And you know, I was too young to remember the Shankly thing, but those video clips of the young lads in the street being told and just the bafflement. They they're like, what? You're having a laugh. And but my version of that was when Kenny left in '91, and <clears throat> that was that was ridiculous. I I I, I felt entirely lost and if you recall what the club did then was they made what seemed to be in keeping with the boot room tradition but perhaps not the right move for the time was a a kind of semi-emotional appointment now the lad had a track record that he was building but soon as felt a bit like the part of me that wanted the security blanket of the boot room appointment went oh thank god we've got a proper red back in and then we could see and you lived through uh, the experience of how that went and it wasn't good for almost anyone involved um there was 
won FA Cup in that year, unless I'm mistaken, yeah. Um, as opposed to keeping the ball rolling and staying in the top two and all that type of thing um, going forward. So, yeah, I, I, that's where I, I sort of have my bat signal going off about Jabby Alonso. It's 15 years since Jabby Alonso left. And Jabby Alonso was a wonderful, wonderful footballer, but perhaps not quite as uh, impactful as some people seem to think that he was um, over that period of time. He, he was there for the miracle of Istanbul and central to it. Uh, and he had a couple of wonderful seasons where he was just majestic to watch for either a full season or a p- little parts of the season. It was only really when he went on then and had his next two spells at those two huge other clubs where he started winning trophy after trophy that you go, well, that's for, that's the Alonso that we started to see then the Champions League every week and to feel regret that we don't have him. So I'd be wary of that emotional sort of response. And I think FSG have enough about them not to make that kind of emotional appointment. If we're being honest, the extension of Kenny's second contract was probably one of those as well, where it was almost felt almost fan led. And, um, you know, I, I was one of the few voices and this is, this is my hero growing up saying, I don't know if I want Kenny to get another year because I don't want him to fuck up his legacy. So this is how I feel when it comes to the whole Shabby uh, Alonso story. But there are there are many, many different factors. And we, I think we've done a good job of highlighting as many of them as possible there. Uh, and we'll try and keep over the story between now and the end. But I think, yeah, I think we both might have the right angle in terms of it's not a story you want floating around the background every single week. Because the first week was all about will Van Dyke stay now? Will Mo Salah stay now? Where, uh, you, you, focusing in on uh, what's it going to be like post clap Will these players be wanting to hang around at this club? And you know what the media is like. And you, once you make that appointment, there could be history with some of the players that we have with this guy or something like that. It's just, it's a potential minefield. I hope the club decide to avoid it. Um, there's two big things I want to get to. Obviously, we've got Brentford's at the weekend and, and Luton. And I want to talk about both those games briefly because that's what we do on this show. But we're kind of running out of time. It's a very important subject that we want to address. The only other thing that I want to definitely touch on is um, we could talk about injuries, we could talk about selections and all the rest of it, but we can fold that into the games coming up. We do have this potential, Jan, of four trophies. And one of them, of course, is the most immediate one that can be won, which is uh, the Carabao Cup uh, uh, against Chelsea on the 25th. In between that, we have the two games we're going to talk about in a minute. Brentford um, on uh, Saturday, uh, the midday kickoff, half 12. And then we've got on the Wednesday night, um, Luton. And we're away at Brentford at home to Luton two fixtures that will provide their own issues. Then we go to to Chelsea on the following Sunday to play that uh, League Cup final. The immediate game after that is three days later, we will find out whether we stay in the FA Cup because we have to host Southampton. Uh, And then, of course, we're going to have our Europa League encounter after Nottingham Forest on the 2nd of March. I think we play on the 7th of March. We have that Europa League game. We have City. We have the next Europa League game. <laughs> this is going to be fucking mental, Jan. And then Everton. There is no let up here at all. So I wanted to know what you think in terms of, are you still 
on that bandwagon or were you ever really on that bandwagon of like let's see can we win all these trophies that was my initial reaction and i never got a chance to talk to you about this the only fitting tribute to Jurgen Klopp is win every fucking trophy that's available to us between now and the end of the season because we can win them all we're in the final of the first one we'd have to consider ourselves amongst the favorites for the fa cup in terms of who's left the draw has been favorable in terms of eliminating some of the other guys we have to consider ourselves the favorite for the europa league um uh to win in that trophy and we're currently top of the league so if you don't consider yourselves favorites as to- at, at, at top of the league the only team that can overhaul us we have to play them so it's still in our hands you put all of that stuff together and I'm sort of bullish about how much we can do. Um, what I'm getting to is, should we start prioritizing? Or is it just, as you said, the last dance? Just crazy times, each and every game, see what we can get. I, I think we need to be all in, Trevor. You know, and I think, I think Klopp has already been aware, always been aware of the importance of building a squad that's capable of playing 60 games a year. Yeah. You know, and generally, he's got that right, and he with a lot of durability. He's got the odd ones, Naby Gates and Thiago, wrong, isn't it? But generally, players who are available, players who just keep going. Isn't it? So, you know, there will be people saying, why did we rearrange the Luton game in the week leading up to the Carabao Cup final? But that's not an issue, is it? Because Liverpool is a football club that plays three games a week. It's not an issue. It's, it's what we do, isn't it? Uh, so when you talk about and the way you separate the four trophies and when you look at it, it's exactly the same thing we've done for the last six years. Every time we talk about a Liverpool game, we think we're going to win. You know, that's still the feeling, isn't it? I still sit here now and think that when we play City uh, on the, what is it, the 9th or the 10th of March, I think we'll win. Uh, mm. We're not going to win every game from now to the end of the season. But I think we will when we break them down and we talk about every one of them individually, isn't it? Uh, so, Carabao Cup, we're favourites uh, against Chelsea, although Chelsea have found a little bit of form. That is a slight worry. Uh, like you said, the FA Cup, uh, you need a bit of luck with the draw, blah, blah, whatever. Europa League, who's our dangers? Maybe one or two of the teams have dropped out from the Champions League who are playing a qualifying round uh, starting this evening and, and next Thursday. And then, of course, Labour, because they, w- they would be the only other team that, that could give us any trouble uh, there. And then, then you got the Premier League, uh, a three-horse race. I don't know whether I'm 100% convinced it's a three-horse race, uh, but it's certainly exciting. It's, it's exciting, isn't it? We have these two games, Trevor, very similar uh, sort of opposition. Brentford, Luton, very direct, a lot of physical players, uh, they love set pieces, free kick corners, long throwings, and whatever. So both of those games, I expect, we have miles more quality than both of them. Uh, but we have seen over the last two years going to Brentford is not a place we enjoy going to. Yeah, and it's a good way of queuing up a little bit of chat about those last two games. I mean, you know, we we we, we could have talked about any number of things like the the disappointment of the Arsenal. Uh, results, the it just didn't seem to 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 jive with anything that's gone in the last while at all. We could have had a a really upbeat chat about how incredible Connor Bradley has been. Ooh. Um, you know, to the extent that you know there were a few of us who were thinking, 
it's okay, Trent. You can take your time coming back. It's Trent Alexander-Arnold, the best in the world, theoretically, and quite often uh, in actuality in his position. Um, so there, there are a lot of a lot of positives, a lot of negatives, but we have two games to look forward to before you and I will get a chance to speak before the Carling Cup final, likely. Um, and that is the one against Brentford and then the one against Luton. And in terms of just where everything is is sitting in in terms of the table, it is very heartening to look at the Reds there at the top. Everyone will talk about City's game in hand, um, but as you mentioned, um, they we have a game against them, and uh, it remains therefore in Liverpool's uh, pause. City run an outrageous run, which we know, um, but we're not too bad ourselves and if the wheels don't come off everything's up for grabs but in a season where you know we've been there thereabouts Thomas Frank and Brentford are currently um sitting in 14th and they have 25 points there uh, so they're very comfortably mid table but to put it into perspective the jump up to 10th place where our Carling Cup final, or sorry, Carabao Cup final opponents are is 34 points. That's a nine point gap. And even though Brentford have a game in hand there over Chelsea in 10th, they're not getting anywhere near mid table for a while. And it will take quite a lot of teams falling away like Wolves and Fulham uh, and Brighton and Chelsea for them to get into the top 10 or anywhere near it. So I don't know what to make of the challenge offered by them, except to say that I do have a huge amount of respect for any time I've seen him play under Frank. I think he's really, really good at what he does. I like the way that he has them set up. Now, they their last time out was on Saturday. They had a very impressive away win at Wolves, 2-0. Um, 3-1 was what City beat them in the previous game. 3-2 was what Tottenham beat them in the game before that. Brentford themselves had a 3-2 win over Forest in the game before that. Um, they went out again, uh, they did a defeat to Wolves um, in, um, oh sorry, they sorry were defeated by Wolves in the FA Cup, uh, 3-2. And then the uh, previous league game was another reversal for them, 3-1 defeat at Palace. So they're a team that can pull off a result. They're a team that have a very specific way of playing under Frank. As you said, he's one of the guys who's been mentioned um, as a potential successor in any of the you know um, betting uh, companies' lists that you see. Um, what do you make of this challenge for us at lunchtime on Saturday, given where it's wedged in there ahead of uh, another big league game ahead of our first chance of Civil War? Yeah, so... We, we we played twice at Brentford since they got promoted to the Premier League, and the first one we drew three three, and last mm. year we lost three one. So we conceded six goals already. When we play Brentford, we have two problems. Uh, one of them is their pace on the break. Uh, they got a problem with the pace on the break is all injured. Rico Henry, the left back, is out injured. Uh, Kevin Sharder, the, the the German wide man that they bought, he's injured. Uh, Brian Embremo, he's injured. So that is a problem. The mm. other problem we have against Brentford is set pieces. Uh, last year, I don't know if you remember last year, Trevor, we conceded four goals from four consecutive corners. Two of them were disallowed, 
But nevertheless, we conceded four goals from four consecutive corners. So that, that is a problem. They got real height. Uh, again, I think it'd be a really, really difficult game. Uh, they've also got their players back from the AFCON and the Asian Cup and whatever. So they'll be strong. They'll have good options off the bench. And of course, the big thing to them, and they really needed that win at Wolves so they didn't get dragged themselves into a, a relegation battle. But Ivan Tony's back. Uh, he's got three goals in four games since he returned. He's a handful. Isn't it? So I, I look at this and yet again, I think, I was there the other day when they played Manchester City and they didn't really have a sniff. City were way too good and, and dominated and won the game 3-1, isn't it? Uh, I, I just hope that we have similar quality. We can do a similar thing, isn't it? But it is always one of those games that I do worry about. They, they've been Tranfield on a couple of occasions, Brentford and, and been Powderpuff never showed up. Uh, so 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 Liverpool fans, you've only seen them Anthony go, but they're not all that. But they are all that when they play us at their place. So I think it's a really difficult game. I think you're spot on there in your take. Absolutely spot on. Uh, the opponents after them are a couple of places behind them in the league uh, on 20 points. Uh, 17th place is Luton. And ahead of the last game, I know you were finding it hard to see a whole lot in them now. To be fair to Luton, they sort of, to be fair, they put it up to us. Um, their most recent set of results uh, would be less impressive even than Brentford's. And then occasionally there's one or two real belters in there. Uh, they got beat 3-1 by Sheffield United, which isn't a good result. And, um, you know, it says that they mightn't be at their very, very best at the moment. Four all with Newcastle was the previous one, which is a mental result. But then Newcastle are a bit of a mental team at the moment. Nowhere really where I think they'd like to have been at this point in the season. Um, they had a big, impressive win, 4-0 over Brighton in the previous one. That was at Luton. Um, stayed in the FA Cup by beating Everton 2-1 uh, on the 27th of January. And the two before that were another FA Cup uh, replay win and a one-all with Burnley. So um, a completely different kettle of fish um, and uh, um, challenge offered by Luton. What do you think of the, them and, and what they've done so far? Do you reckon they're going to be safe-ish by the end of the season or what's your gut feeling uh, I think they've done remarkable. Uh, you know, I look at their squad and, and instantly when you look at squads, you always look for Premier League quality and you think, where, where is the Premier League quality? Well, in Luton, the Premier League quality is in, in their desire, isn't it? They got unbelievable the desire. They don't get weighed down by disappointments. They just carry on and go, this is what we are. You know, we're, we're, we're playing a very simple way. We get the ball forward quick. They, they win an awful lot of corners. They have a lot of corners in all their games to put a lot of pressure on you. But in terms of quality, real quality, they don't have an awful lot. I mean, Ross Barkley is, has probably been just about their best player uh, this this season. So, But apart from him, they got a lot of endeavour, a lot of fight. Uh, is, is, is that enough, Trevor? It, 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 it shouldn't be, you know. In terms of a quality squad, as I said before, they don't have an awful lot. So it's like, yeah, okay, I understand what they've got. But let's just make it a game of football, isn't it, where we comfortably should be able to uh, to give them a bit of a run around. 
Now, let's do this uh, live on the air just so we can get an idea um, when we're going to have an opportunity to get our next chat in. Uh, so we have the game on Saturday uh, and then we have the game on Wednesday. Uh, do you reckon you might be able to do Thursday for, uh, after that or are you yeah. off on your jollies? No, no, no I'm, I'm doing Champions League next week, uh, but I'm available next Thursday, uh, which is after the two. Uh, league After games, and then, yeah, yeah, and, and then looking forward, game. yeah, looking forward to the first trophy this season. <laughs> yeah, like we've gone with that. Yes, well, that seems like a fitting note for us to start wrapping things up on. Uh, fantastic to catch up with you, man. It uh, feels like we could do about three hours here and still not even touch the sides in terms of the amount of topics, but people will understand that it's important to get your take on the managerial thing. And it was a very, uh, very enjoyable over and back there on that, uh, as well as all the other ones as usual. So let's finish as we always do with getting your take on those two games that will be played before you and I get to talk to each other next. So we'll begin with the uh, league game at Brentford. Yeah, so we beat Burnley 3-1 at Anfield, uh, but we gave up a few chances. You know, I thought Burnley had a few opportunities and I fully expect Brentford would have the same. So I think Brentford uh, will go there and it'll be Brentford 2, Liverpool 3. You know, I think it'll be a real humding of a game. Uh, it, it, it normally is when we go down there. And then on a Wednesday at Anfield, yes, massive respect for what Luton have achieved so far. Uh, but in, in terms of pure football ability, we're far superior. So Liverpool 4, Luton 1. Love it. And it will have to be that way. I mean, it's as you said earlier on, it's not guaranteed that Liverpool will win every game and they are likely to not win every game, but it will have to be almost every game if we're going to achieve this wonderful thing that we want to achieve uh, to send Jürgen off with the best possible um, sort of tribute uh, to what he has brought to the club. So we we'll look forward to hopefully being able to um, comment and talk about a whole big haul of trophies and for yet another show, Jan, where we uh, got through as many of the major topics as possible. Thanks very much. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the most likely outcome is that we're not going to win a good triple, isn't it? But we have to believe that we can do it, isn't it? And, and when we move from game to game, we do believe it. So, uh, you know, it, it is it is quite exciting. It's like enjoy the last three months with, with, with you and Glove and, 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 and see how, uh, how we can send them off. Absolutely, we will and uh, we'll be along for the ride hopefully you'll stay with us great to hear your feedback in the show by the way listeners we do very much appreciate that and it's always lovely to hear um, how much you appreciate hearing uh, the big man's take on things and we will continue to do that until the end of the clock era for sure and we'll see uh, how successful it will be so from Jan Malby from myself Trev Denny this is Malby on the spot for Anfield Index Pro we'll see you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. 
It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.